GIS is, is always going to be the nucleus. It's always going to be the core of, of this this whole kind of market. What you're going to see, or what I believe, and this is my opinion, so don't judge, right? Um, I, I think what's going to happen is that market is going to grow quite a lot. Um, and lots of different things are going to come from the sort of the core sort of GIS concept. And things are going to be added to you know, what is the core GIS. So location intelligence is talked about a lot. Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. Today on the show, my, my guest is Alistair Dickinson. He is the CEO and CMO of a company called Mapsimize, and, and they're doing something a little bit different. So we haven't really covered this topic before on the podcast, but what they're doing over at Mapsimize is they are spatially enabling a customer relationship management system. So we're going to dive into all that in just a second, what that means, how they're doing it, and, and what the value proposition is here. But before we do that, I just want to remind you that uh, notes and links to all the resources mentioned in this podcast episode today will be available on our website, mapscaping.com. And we also send out a weekly email with a summary of each week's podcast episode. If that's something you might be interested in, go along to mapscaping.com slash podcast, sign up there, and I'll send you an email each week. Okay, let's get into the episode. Alistair, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to do this interview with me. Um, I, I'm looking forward to this because uh, you're using Google services. And to be perfectly honest, I, I haven't covered those before in the podcast. I don't know much about them. And I think combining geospatial uh, and Google services with your uh, with, with CRM systems, I mean, this is just a, a piece of geospatial that we haven't talked about before. So I'm really looking forward to this. Before we dive into all that, perhaps you could just take a, a couple of minutes just to introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Daniel, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Um, my name is Alistair Dickinson. I'm the CEO and CMO of a company called Mapsmize.com. Um, this is a, a new technology platform, but we have been building geo solutions for the last seven or eight years. The concept came from you know looking at what we were already doing and how we could make that better. Um, and I've really been looking forward to doing this podcast with you um, because obviously I think what we're doing is a little bit different, but it does solve, the aim is to solve business problems. So before we, before we move on and talk about what you're doing now, let, let's talk just a little bit about what you did in the past. How does, how does that relate to, to geospatial? How did that set you up for, for what you're doing now with, with Mapsimize? Yeah, I, I mean, it's a good question because I started my career 22 years ago in technology and I've all, I, I started, you know, as a software engineer um, and then into consulting. But back in 2009, we set up the business to be a software company and build solutions for business. And one of those solutions was a mapping product um, called MyGeoMap, um, which was just for a CRM system, um, predominantly Microsoft Dynamics CRM. And that did quite well, but we used Bing Maps, and it was really designed to be a marketing tool um, against the CRM data. So that product sort of continued till about 2016, um, and then we looked at it, and it needed a complete rewrite. And we were tempted to carry on with uh, Bing services, but in looking at what was available to us and looking at you know multiple other kind of platforms, we decided to sort of head for Google um, on a complete rewrite. And that complete rewrite in that project was Mapsimize. 
Cool. Uh, thanks for that piece of background there. That's, that's really helpful. Um, l- let's start off by clarifying, what is a CRM system? And it has changed dramatically over the last 20 years. When we first started doing CRM systems, the context was really Salesforce automation or, or having sales opportunities and tasks and emails embedded into a database. But CRM is a customer database at the end of the day. It's about recording information about your customers and about your prospects um, and managing your sales and marketing and service teams activity. So how does Geo link into all that? Why is it important to spatialize that kind of information? So originally we didn't think it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, and someone came to us, actually one of our customers came to us and said, it would be really good if we could understand our customers by location. And then we looked into it and thought, well, actually, this is a really good idea. We can build maps with their data on it, and then they could segment the data by a location and create marketing lists. And that's really where it all started. We then started looking at how we could segment sales data and opportunity data, meaning where, you know, you know, the management team of companies could then understand where the hotspots were for sales and sales activity and which sales teams were performing better or worse. And they could also identify regions that with with other data, with, with data that was outside of the, the kind of core CRM. So I think segmentation, that, that's really big in marketing right now. And when, when most marketers talk about segmentation, they, they talk about delivering personalized messages to people. So so here, we're, we're obviously, you can segment by geographic areas, which are performing better or worse, that, that kind of thing. But you can also segment in terms of, okay, someone lives in the north of London, perhaps they need a different kind of messaging. Is that a, is kind of the, the way we should be thinking about this? Yeah, absolutely. And, and and it goes further than that. It's not just about the actual location. I mean, some of the examples, we loaded all of the London tube data into a map. So the whole tube infrastructure. We then added data about how those service lines were performing. So how the tubes were running, if there were any delays and those kind of things. And one of the scenarios we, we presented to a company is that they could actually analyze how um, many commuters were delayed in the morning or if, if the, the tubes had broken down or if they were on strike for some reason, that the commute might be difficult into work. And then they could segment their customers based on that information and send them an email saying, you know, I appreciate you've had a stressful morning because they've identified something happening in that location as well. So it's not just about the location. It's also about the activity that's happening at any one time. Okay, so I think we've got a pretty good idea of at least some of the capabilities that, that you've built in into this product and, and why people might be interested in them. I'd like to sort of move off now and, or actually I should say go back and talk about that migration from Bing to Google. Could you talk us through that? Why was that a good thing to do? Why was that necessary to move from one platform to the other? And what advantages came with moving to Google? There was, there was quite a number of advantages, uh, to be honest. We, uh, we originally um, used uh, Bing because uh, this particular customer had um, some Bing licenses that we could use, and it seemed a sensible thing to do because we were focused on Microsoft technology. In 2016, when we started the project, we then went to have a look at other foundations. So we looked at Google, um, we looked at OpenStreetMap, we looked at Mapbox, and obviously Bing as well to see how it had been updated. And we wanted to see what services were available at the same price, because what you tend to find with a, a lot of um, these kind of mainstream 
uh, mapping services is that you get so much for uh, a fixed fee. And then if you want to use additional services, each transaction costs quite a lot of money. At the time, uh, Bing had changed its licensing price and some of the services didn't perform in the way we wanted them to perform. That was the main driver for looking at uh, sort of like, can we get better results from, from other platforms? Um, and we did some analysis and the analysis kind of lasted about six months. We tried, you know, the different platforms and we went to kind of Google and thought this is actually giving us everything we want. Now, one of the one of the really big things that we wanted was that we used to use a service called Factual. Um, you won't have probably come across this, but Factual is uh, the world's biggest databases of company information. And we used to be able to integrate Factual into Bing Maps. Um, and that would give us data or company data by location outside of the data that was held in somebody's CRM. So the scenario there would be, you know, a salesperson or a salesperson or a field salesperson travels to a business park and they've got one appointment. Um, but what they can do then is use the tool to light up all of the other businesses in that business park. Now, their CRM system or their customer database system might not have all of that information in but then they can use it as for prospecting. Um, one of the things that Google could offer us was Google My Business. Now, I appreciate that you know, Google My Business is available on the free element of Google Maps as well, but by bringing that in to um, Mapsmize, we were able to link the data from the CRM to what, was that, what else was in the area. So you got a, a sort of an overview or a layer of customer data, of prospect data, and also of uh, additional organizations in that area. To use the, uh, that particular Google service, it had to be on a Google map. So we were sort of, if we wanted to use Google My Business, we had to use Google Maps. That's really interesting. I actually didn't know that you, you could do that. And I definitely didn't realize that there was an API that supported that. If I could just try and summarize here for a second, it sounds like what you're saying is that with, with this Google Google Maps service that you can take your address data, for example, from your CRM system and say and make a search based on that, identify businesses in that area or within a certain distance from from that location, and, and then sort of start increasing your your search radius from there and find finding businesses that are re somehow related to what you're doing or a potential customer and then sort of start you know going and visiting them while you're in that that area anyway is that correct that's that's exactly it that's not actually an api that's something that we've built um we've used the different apis from google and from the you know different systems that we've connected um, and then built the uh, markers and the radius searches as part of the solution that we've put together okay um and, and you mentioned before too that this came this comes from google my business could you talk me through what that is what, what does it look like yeah so google my business is I believe that um, a lot of the data from Google My Business has been purchased by Google from various different databases. But as an indiv individual business, you can apply for a Google My Business account. We've got one here. If you if you search our address, will will pop up, will will appear on Google Maps by default, um, and you'll see all of our our posts and our uh, videos that are linked to that Google My Business account. The thing with it is, it's great for SEO. It's great for combining sort of tweets and posts into LinkedIn and sharing across social media. So it's another repository for all of your data about your business. Um, so it's not just a, a pin on a map. It, it supplies somebody with all of the information um, around what you're doing as a business, but it also 
gives the uh, location of your business, but also when people are searching uh, Google My Business, they can they can bring back that information. That is really interesting. So this is um, user-generated content that people are creating about their own businesses, and then through that spatial location, through that you know spot on the world, uh, Google can link uh, things that I'm doing on Twitter, for example, or on my homepage, on my website, to a location. That, that's that's, a, that's amazing. Yeah, and, yeah, interesting so, stuff. Yeah. So the thing is, you you post from Google My Business, and I think you know you've seen some examples of well, you can see many examples of what we do, and by posting it from Google to Twitter um, and not embedding the link into Twitter, you get a different result than embedding a blog link into Twitter. So we all know that if you post external links into social media platforms, they get a down a down ranking. But if you post into the social media platform, you get a different result. That's really interesting. We need to be careful now we don't dive down the rabbit hole of, of SEO because that, that's very tempting right now. The marketer in me wants to be there and, and, and jump into that conversation, but I think we should avoid it. Could you talk a little bit about some of the other services that you're using? So I'm thinking this is not the only service you, you use from Google. So what services are you pulling together? Are you using external services to Google and what, what do they look like and, and, and how is, is this, how, how do they work together? Yeah, so we are using some external services as well as other services with, uh, within Google. Um, we are using their auto-routing and uh, route planning service. Um, we're, we're also using some location credits which allow you to validate searches. So if I, I post a, a postcode or if I, uh, if I post um, uh, a name of a, a type of business, um, it goes and helps with the search and then links that back to the results of the Google My Business that we were talking about previously. Um, but we have also consumed other services um, like OpenCage. Um, we, use, we selected OpenCage for geocoding. I know some people say, well, why don't you use Google geocoding? But there are certain terms and conditions that didn't fit with the project that we were doing. Um, and we wanted to be able to update data that we were pulling back from external systems. Um, and we found that the, the terms and conditions of OpenCage allowed us to do that. So we went down that route and it, it served our purpose you know, to exactly what we needed. Um, we've also been looking at other services. And I, in listening to your podcast, Daniel, I, I picked up a reference to uh, Graphhopper, I think it's called, that allows to do multiple vehicle auto routing so we're also that's been passed off to the development team and they're having a look at that as well and again there's there's other things that we've we've started to look at um, and especially connecting up with with data connectors these aren't just business systems but we're pulling data from other sources like google analytics um, and other sort of analytics services like hotjar and lucky orange um, the reason we want to pull Google Analytics is that when you go into your Google Analytics, although it says by country, it doesn't always match all of the visits actually at the lat long. So it sort of will give you a you know, so many visitors from X country, but it doesn't sort of break it down to say North London, South London, Birmingham, Manchester. Um, and so we can actually go a little bit further with the analytics from Google, but we can also trend them over time. That, that is really interesting. Honestly, I had, uh, obviously, I, I knew that Google offered Google Maps, but I've never really dived into the, the world of the services that are behind that and how you can link together those, those services in, in the ways that you're doing. 
I just want to give a big shout out to Open Cage Data and Graph Hopper. Um, they've both supported the podcast in in the past, and they're fantastic companies. I'm absolutely stoked that that you're using them and have found them through the podcast. Also, thought it was really interesting that Google wanted you to, or you said earlier that you had to, in order to use a certain service, you had to display the results on a Google Map. You don't have a problem with linking other services like uh, Graph Hopper and Open Cage Data and displaying them on a Google Map. It, is is that the the correct way to understand this? Yes, I think it's because the data from uh, Google My Business is owned by Google. So they won't um, allow that service to be displayed anywhere else. You know, I'm, I'm very kind of strict as a, as a business owner on terms and conditions and any potential legal challenges we might face. So I've got to be very careful about what we do. I mean, I'm sure people aren't as conscious as, as myself might go off and, and, and try and pull data and, and use it in different ways. Um, and I can't speak for them. I can only speak for us um, on the topic. But it does say that you can only use that data in that way. Yeah, um, it makes perfect sense to sort of abide by those rules and regulations, especially given that Google is, is such a big part of, of the system that you're building. Sure. So if we think about customer relation management systems, CRM systems, what, what are the other opportunities for spatially en- enabling them? Where's the, the rest of, of the value when, when we do that? What, why should people invest time and energy in, in doing this? So it's a good question. Um, and obviously CRM has been, or CRM systems in one form or another have been around for probably about 25 years now. And Salesforce and Microsoft Dynamics are probably leading the way um, in the current market. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Salesforce acquired um, a geo platform last year, which means that location intelligence and geo type services is coming into the forefront of what businesses are doing. And more and more businesses are not only using not only using business intelligence, but they're also using location intelligence to make better business decisions. I think the thing is that you've now got a much wider uh, potential market. Businesses are trading, not just in their local region or nationally, but they're, they're looking to expand into different markets. Um, and it gives that sense of exactly where, where your interaction is happening, where customers are engaging with your message, how you can tailor the customer data or understand where the customer data location is. But it's not just about taking a CRM system and the CRM system's data, putting it on a map. What you're actually doing is taking the CRM data and then you're taking data from a finance system and then you're taking data from Google Analytics or maybe from a marketing platform like MailChimp and you're putting all of that together to then say, this customer from the CRM system has open invoices in our finance system, but they visited the website because here's the Google Analytics and we've sent them three email shots through MailChimp or .digital to actually see how they're engaging. So our whole concept of what we're doing to help businesses understand data is about connected data. And I'm not sure if you have heard the phrase connected data uh, previously, but you'll have come across big data, um, which was obviously first coined as an expression in sort of around 2005. And the idea of connected data is to build on top of that. But instead of putting all the data in one repository, what you're doing is connecting up lots of systems and linking the data together. So you might be able to take data from your CRM and then pass it to MailChimp, or you might be able to take data from an Excel spreadsheet, upload it into uh, a a location intelligent platform, and then pass that to your CRM or pass that to your finance system or, or pass it to a marketing platform. It's more than just representing data from a single system. It's about bringing those systems together in business. 
So it sounds like here our goal isn't to spatially enable every data source. The, the goal is to, to use the map as a context and sort of put it on the map. So every data source stays where it is and we just uh, show it, visualize it on the map. So we're not enabling it as such. You know, We're not writing a position into every database, into every data source. We're just using a map as, as, as context. Is that the correct way of understanding it? So the map is the canvas. It is. Uh, we're, we're not cartographers. We're not um, GIS specialists. We're taking a map, and that's the the blank canvas. And what we do is bring those data sets together. Um, we do update them with lat long, um, and we do add workflow and business functions. Um, we haven't done all of these yet. There is a roadmap for the project, but the idea is you'll be able to do one thing in one system, pass that data around, see how. It updates uh, by location and then pass it off to another system. So you might identify a certain region that say that's had flooding. That might be a good example. So you want to highlight that area and then you want to send all all the cust- all your customers in that area uh, a message, you know, of of well-being or of uh, support through your uh, mail marketing platform that might not be connected directly to the CRM system. But by through by using a uh, an intelligent platform, you can do that. So there seems to be a ton of great reasons why why people would would want to do this. Why people would want to use the map as a canvas and show data and have the the spatial element be the link between different data sources. I can completely see that now. It kind of surprises me that this kind of functionality doesn't already exist. That it's not baked in, into some of these CRM systems already. Well, why do you think that is? A lot of business systems, you know, and that is, doesn't just need to be a, a customer relationship management system or uh, an enterprise resource planning system, a, you know, ERP type system, or even a finance system. Those particular types of systems have been around a lot longer than uh, business intelligence and location intelligence. And it's a very exciting time to be involved with location intelligence and location intelligence applications because although GIS has been around in its core form for larger organizations for some time, I mean, I remember working on large government projects um, in 2004 and they were rolling out, you know, um, big GIS type projects. Well, large, medium, and smaller businesses have never used this type of technology. They're, they're just beginning to see the benefits. And I think America is slightly ahead of Europe and the UK um, in this, in, in being able to consume a product that is a, a commodity and say, yes, I want to just you know, do this with my data. I want to share it. I want to analyze it. I want to run some charts off multiple data sets. Um, and I don't think the the kind of main uh, manufacturers of different systems have even considered that businesses or business owners or users would want to visualize this data in this way. Um, but as I sort of mentioned before, Salesforce did acquire um, a geo platform last year, and that's probably the first of the big organizations to actually take a, a mapping platform and say, you know, we're now adding this into our core offering. So we've talked a little bit about some of the functionality that that Maximize offers, and I'm assuming that this is based on on, um, on on customer requests. So you could see that there was a demand for this in the market. But just before we were talking about Salesforce acquiring a geo company, what can you imagine they're going to roll out in terms of geo functionality? Are, are we going to see like this huge sort of explosion of, of geospatial capabilities in, in CRM systems from now on? Or can you see any trends that or things that might happen first? I think what we're going to see is 
um, location intelligence coming into business applications a lot more. I recently read a report, and I don't know if you've seen it, but it was it was basically stating that the the state of the location intelligence and GIS market um, in 2018 was worth about 18 billion worldwide, um, and it's predicted by 2028 to be worth 180 billion worldwide. Um, and I think organizations, because they're getting used to business intelligence and using BI tools and, and using things like Tableau or Power BI or and to analyze data, they're beginning to uh, want want more. They want to then take that data and, and, and look at it by location. Um, and some of the BI companies are also beginning have begun to start adding mapping capability or location intelligence capability into their solutions. Predominantly, they are business intelligence tools. So they're not mapping, they're not trending the data by location. What they're doing is allowing you to trend the data and then put it on a map. Um, so we, with our reporting tools, or the, our reporting tools have been designed so that as you move around the map, all of the charts and all of the analytics are changing as you're moving around the canvas, as a lot of maps that are in BI tools are static. Um, so they'll, you'll have made your data, you'll have combined your data sets, and then you'll put it on a map and go, right, that's it, it's static, that's what it looks like. So it sounds like with, with um, some of these bigger companies moving into this space and deciding, okay, we, we can see that there, there's a market here, we're going to add geo functionality to these other platforms, these business intelligent platforms. Does this mean that, it's the, that, that companies like Maximize, like Salesforce, are we going to end up replacing GIS as we know it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, no. Because what you're going, I mean, GIS is, is always going to be the nucleus. It's always going to be the core of, of this this whole kind of market. What you're going to see, or what I believe, and this is my opinion, so don't judge, right? Um, I, I think what's going to happen is that market is going to grow quite a lot. Um, and lots of different things are going to come from the sort of the core sort of GIS concept and things are going to be added to you know, what is the core GIS. So location intelligence is talked about a lot. Geographical data systems I've seen being talked about, um, connected data and big data and data intelligence and all of those kind of things. But on the back of Internet of Things, you're also now seeing location of things because if you start you know, enabling or Wi-Fi enabling lots of devices, then there's going to be data and you're going to want to be able to analyze that data by location. So I think if you drew a, a, a diagram and put GIS bang in the middle, what you're going to have is lots of bubbles and lots of variants around it that all sit in that same sort of market. Um, and as I say, GIS will be the core. It will be around for you know forever. But uh, I think what you'll see is other innovation comes along that sort of says, oh, we can use this element of um, location intelligence or we can use this element of location intelligence. And a combination of different ways and different data sets is going to uh, is 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 going to flourish, I think, and I think over the next ten years we'll see much more use of these type of tools. I definitely agree with you on that one. Like I can see a ton of opportunity here, but I think too, anytime other people sort of move into a market and start doing things a little bit differently, we, we need to sort of rethink um, the, the way we are doing things. So if you think about the GIS, the geospatial community as it is today, in what ways do you think we, we should be rethinking or rebranding ourselves? Are there any sort of new skill sets that you can see that are going to be important in the future that we should be focusing on? 
I think what we'll find, and we found this with um, software development, you know, when I started my career, we were building software components that weren't directly for business. We were just building software because we could build software and it was new. And when CRM came along, that was quite fixed. But the driver comes from business. It comes from customers and businesses say, well, actually, we want it to look like this. And I think what we'll find, as we found in, in business systems, is that software engineering or software development or application development shows, well, it transforms into what business needs. Um, and those businesses will, will show that demand. And I think People working in the current you know, GIS type environment or location intelligence will have to think about business problems. Um, not that they don't already, but you get a kind of sense that it's it's very data driven and, and to solve a problem as if you, you're what you'll find over the next decade or over the next five years is business come up with use cases that have to be solved with um, location intelligence or geo systems. I think that's a really fair comment. And I think it's also fair to say that a lot of the people that are involved in GIS geospatial um, and, and have been in the industry for a while now probably came from some sort of environmental background. So I think this is going to be a real shift for us into sort of focusing on on, on the business need, on how can we give value to, to a business? What what will people pay for instead of, instead of perhaps some other environmental focuses or perhaps even just to link the two in, in in a way that that's really visible and, and understandable for the people that are interested in in purchasing the the products and services that we provide. Yeah, absolutely agree. And my background is not, as I said, GIS. It's not environmental. It's not geography. It's it's business. Um, so I'm probably one of these new upstarts that that's that's kind of appearing in the community, saying, "No, it's all about business problems. You know, we've got to do what business wants." Um, and so I, I'm probably going to get shunned very quickly after people listen to this podcast. But the the way sort of markets change is it, it's it's driven by market demand. And having 22 years in tech, I've seen that over and over again. I went through the dot com boom. You know, I've seen a huge government agendas uh, implement technology. I've seen the introdu introduction of SaaS and cloud type computing. And I think the next big thing in software, not just in, in location intelligence and GIS, is going to be commodity software, where business owners, especially younger business owners, are not going to be doing big investments into software. Um, they're not going to be doing 30, 40, 50,000 pound projects and software providers, vendors you know, like ourselves are going to have to come at a price point where it's, you know, pretty much we're giving it away for free. But the the sort of the bells and the whistles, the really, you know, the stuff that's like auto routing or charting or, or some analytics is that's what people pay for. Um, and those monthly fees, I don't think are going to be over or somewhere between, you know, seven and 12 pounds per user per month. I don't think people are going to be investing hundreds and hundreds of dollars every month uh, per user into systems. That, that's a really, really interesting insight there. And I think that'll, like, like you, were, you were mentioning before, that'll really have to, that'll really change the way we have to think about the way we produce software, right? The, the way we manufacture it, the way we, and what we do with data. So I, that's a really, really interesting way of looking at the world. Yeah, I think. I mean, you only have to look at uh, things like Slack or Zoom, and and how those products have scaled up to millions of users, um, where 
yeah, and I don't know if you use either, but um, if you if you look at um, the kind of user base, a lot of it is free, but the the bells and the whistles, the the nice corporate features that you might want, um, you pay a nominal fee for five six pounds a user, um, and uh, and I think that's the future, and this is why software companies will get uh, venture funding and investor funding and angel funding. Uh, to actually grow these platforms because there's going to be a huge development cost up front, but it's going to be about volume sales. It's going to be about who can get a million users first. Alistair, I really want to thank you for your insights today. You've given us a ton to think about. Um, I, I think in this particular episode also, there's been a, a whole bunch of, of ideas that I've definitely not heard before, so I really appreciate that. Um, is there anywhere the listeners can go to reach out to you, to connect with you, uh, if we want to learn more or perhaps continue the conversation? Absolutely. Um, I spend a lot of my time on LinkedIn, probably too much time. So if you look at me, uh, look for me on LinkedIn, follow me there. Um, and I'm sure the link will be at the bottom of this podcast. You can always catch up with me on Twitter, which is just Alistair CEO, Alistair CEO on Twitter. And I also operate a fully open diary. Um, so my link to my diary will is also available um, if it wants to be posted at the on along with this podcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to include links to, to all those places so people can find you and, and reach out. Thanks again. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Daniel. Really enjoyed it. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode with, with Alistair talking about Mapsimize and what they're doing with spatially enabling customer relationship management systems. And I, I just want to point out that, that Alistair does have an open calendar. So you are more than welcome to contact him. You'll find links to that in the show notes for this podcast episode. I will also be sending that out in our weekly newsletter. So if you're interested in that, you can also go along to mapscaping.com podcast, sign up there. I send out all the notes, links, whatever resources mentioned in each episode every week. So join up there if that's something you're interested in. And that's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel. It's been a pleasure being your host again this week. Um, if you haven't already, consider subscribing. This is a weekly podcast, so every week a new episode comes out and you are more than welcome to subscribe and follow along. Also, I would really appreciate some feedback. So I'm looking to improve the show, trying to make some changes and, and trying to figure out what works best for you, the listener. So if you have any feedback for me, if you're more than welcome to reach out to me on social media, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, I would really, really love to hear from you. Okay, that's it from me. We'll talk again next week. Bye.